Is a Corbin Burns trade feasible for the Boston Red Sox? Find out on today's Locked on Red Sox. You are Locked on Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gabby Hurlbut, former ESPN social media associate and current host of the Boston Balling Podcast. And I am here to bring you the latest in all things Boston Red Sox straight to your favorite podcast feed for free, although there hasn't been much news lately going on with the Boston Red Sox. Anyways, it's still free. So check out the show. Start off your day the right way with Lockdown Red Sox, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. Welcome to another episode of the show where we continue to sit and wait for Yamamoto to make his decision for the Red Sox to start making some of their other offseason moves that they need to make to improve this roster. That essentially does start with starting pitching, and I have said on the show They need to be as aggressive as they can be on this market. Try as best as you can for Yamamoto. Throw all the cards on the table. Offer him a big contract that's worth considering on his end and make it a hard decision for him. If he doesn't pick Boston and he goes elsewhere, but the Red Sox are a close second, then I would respect the effort there, and at least I would have known that they put in enough effort to make him consider the opportunity to play in Boston. You at least want to make him consider it and not write off the idea altogether. But it might not happen. He might choose to go to another team, in which case the Red Sox can't do anything about that. That's his choice, and they can't control it. However, I will be incredibly mad if he goes to the Yankees. He can go anywhere else. Just please, please not to the Brogs. That would just absolutely destroy me. But anyway, so if Yamamoto does decide to go elsewhere, the Red Sox do have something else that they could do and trade for Milwaukee Brewers ace Corbin Burns. In 2023, he finished the season with an ERA of 339. With a 10 and 8 record, he is very much a consistent pitcher. You know what you're getting from him. He's a guy who will be at the top of that rotation in Boston. Compared to what they have in the rotation right now, Burns is a guy who will provide length and give the Red Sox that highly coveted number one starting pitcher that they know they can rely on every time he hits the mound to at least give a generally good start every time. Now, one thing to consider here when it comes to a potential Corbin Burns trade, 
is not everybody's fit to play in Boston. It's a lot different pitching in a place like Milwaukee as it is a place like Boston. The Red Sox are one of the most historic franchises in baseball. Fenway Park is such a historic ballpark and a lot of legendary figures have played there. And sometimes that can get in players' heads if they're new to Boston and they're thinking about all the legends that come before him that, that have played there. It could increase the pressure that's on that player and emotionally they might not be able to cut it. Also, Boston, as we all know as Red Sox fans, has a very dedicated fan base. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's good to be passionate about your teams. But on the same token, sometimes that passion can turn into serious anger towards a player if they're not performing to the level that fans want them to perform at. And if Burns comes here and there's all this hype surrounding him and he starts to not perform well, fans will be quick to call that player a bust and say he wasn't the right fit and the Red Sox made a mistake in trading for him. If he comes here and he absolutely lights it up and he's the ace caliber pitcher that we've seen him be in Milwaukee, then there will be no talk of that and Red Sox fans will be very happy to have him on the team. It really could go either way. This goes for any transition. If a player succeeds in one spot, that doesn't always mean that they're going to succeed other places. It takes an adjustment period and it takes a transition to get used to playing in a new environment. So what I will say is to just be wary of that a little bit. The Red Sox are going to have to come to terms with the fact that if they want to trade for Burns, the asking price is probably going to be something higher than what fans might want it to be. The Red Sox are going to have to be okay with probably parting ways with a couple of their top prospects and most likely an MLB caliber talent in order to get Burns. Burns did say that he'd be interested in exploring the free agent market. He's a free agent after the 2024 season. So that's another thing to keep in mind is the Red Sox would essentially be trading for a rental of Burns unless they guarantee an extension. And if he has it set in his head that he wants to explore free agency no matter what, then the Red Sox might not be able to get a deal done with him during the season to extend him in order to secure that he stays. So that's a gamble that the Red Sox would be taking. If they're giving up some good talent to acquire him, they'd have to accept the fact that they're acquiring somebody who obviously is a very talented starting pitcher and would be the ace of the Red Sox pitching staff but at the same time is somebody who might not stay. And if he does stay great, if he decides to explore the free agent market, the Red Sox should still be heavily aggressive in figuring out the type of offer that they want to make for him in order to ensure that he's enticed to stay in a Boston Red Sox uniform. So if they do trade for him, I'd want it to be because they know that they value him to the level of feeling like he's worth giving an extension to. If they don't do that and they're trading for him for a year's worth and then saying we don't know if we would want to commit to him long term after that, then I'm not 
making the trade. There's no guarantees. There's no way to know for sure that he's going to stay after the deal has been made. And I'm sure the Yankees went through this similar thought process when they acquired Juan Soto. They know that he's entering a contract year. They know he likely is going to want to explore free agency after the season. But that was a risk they were willing to take. And if it ends up being a rental for a year, I mean, they better hope that they win it all with him this year. And I hope they don't. And I hope he ends up exploring free agency and going elsewhere. But it's a risk you sometimes have to take if you want your team to be in a position to contend. And this comes back again to the Red Sox having that thought of, do we see this team as a serious contender in 2024 with the right moves? Or do we still feel like we're a year or two away from realistically being those serious contenders again? And it's a conversation that the front office personnel need to have among each other, to be honest, and say, are we willing to give up a couple of our talented prospects that certainly have potential for a potential rental of Corbin Burns? Are we okay with the fact that there's a chance we don't have him after the season and he decides to explore free agency. Only the Red Sox front office can make that decision. If it were me, I'm making that trade. If I know that we want to extend him and that the possibility is there that he would stay. Boris is his agent and he always wants his players to maximize their opportunities and get paid as much as they can, which is great. It makes for a fantastic agent, which is why he's so successful and he's placed some of the best players in major league baseball. So he's likely going to encourage him to explore free agency and not jump on an offer that the Red Sox might make mid season in an attempt to extend him. So there might not be anything the Red Sox can do about that, but they can do something about giving him an offer he can't refuse in free agency. So I say take the chance on him and make a trade that makes sense. The good thing I think about it is that the Brewers are obviously aware that he's in a contract year. So therefore the asking price won't be as high if they really want to trade him knowing the chances of him walking in free agency are high, then they will lower the asking price for him a little bit. So that's good news for Boston in terms of, you know, what moves can they make that's a deal that makes sense for them that isn't giving up talent that they see truly being part of the future. So it's a hard decision to make. It's a tough spot to put teams in like the Red Sox that really need that number one guy. But if they are confident that they have a chance at extending him and can be a team that offers good money to him when he hits free agency to bring him back, then I'm taking the risk. You have to take risks if you want to be a contending team. And this team at this point has waited too long without having a true number one starting pitcher. And if you feel like you're going to miss out on Yamamoto, Corbin Burns is the guy for me. So I say the Red Sox jump on it and hope that everything falls in their favor after that. Coming up, I'm going to be talking about another move the Red Sox made to help enhance their offensive system. What will it do for Boston? You're going to find out.
How big are you into sports betting? Are you a huge sports better? Are you the type of person that bets here and there? Or have you never really dabbled in it much at all? Well, regardless of where you're at, now is your time to win big with FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. FanDuel is great because it's very forgiving. It gives you a lot of different opportunities to win money. My fiance has gotten so excited about it. He's betting on different things every day. He's always coming home and talking to me about how excited he is to watch different games that night to see if his bets hits. And he's never been huge into sports betting before the last month or so. So if he can do it, you can do it too. So definitely head to FanDuel dot com slash locked on today and you certainly won't be disappointed also you can download the Sirius XM app straight to your phone so you don't have to miss a single pitch of Red Sox baseball it will generate the Red Sox home broadcast for you and that way if you can't watch a game live on TV you can at least listen to it so make sure to download the SiriusXM app today so you are all set to go for the 2024 season and you don't have to worry about missing anything. It's really great. The Boston Red Sox have recently hired a familiar face from the Yankees system in former hitting coach Dylan Lawson. He's a former Yankees hitting coach and was hired as the Red Sox hitting coordinator which the Athletic first reported the other day, he's primarily going to be used mostly with the upper levels of the Red Sox minor league affiliates. He had previously spent three years as the Yankees minor league hitting coordinator before being promoted to the major league hitting coach in 2022. The Yankees actually fired him at the All-Star break in 2023 because their offense was struggling mightily. So Brian Cashman felt like the team needed change. But the Yankees organization has actually said a lot of good things about the work Lawson did for them on the player development side, even though things didn't work out with him at the major league level. Brian Cashman actually said Dylan did a lot of good things. He left a lot of good things behind that I want to acknowledge. Much of the Yankees minor league hitting staff are coaches that share Lawson's data-driven approach. The organization was actually recently ranked one of the game's top performing minor league systems from an offensive stat cast perspective by Baseball America, though translating that success to the major league level has been difficult. Another thing that Cashman said was, Dylan Lawson did a lot of great things for this franchise as he came up as our hitting coordinator. He was very dominant, especially in our player development field. He worked his tail off and he cared and he wanted the outcomes that we all want. At the end of the day, it sounded like he wasn't the guy for the Yankees when he came up to work with the major league hitters. 
their offense in 2023 was incredibly underwhelming, ultimately leading to his dismissal from the organization. But it's very promising that he had the opportunity to develop players at the minor league levels and that the Yankees as an organization spoke highly of him from that standpoint. The Red Sox need people in there who are going to help develop the minor league guys because obviously your major league roster needs to be strong, but you also need to develop guys at the younger levels because they're the future of your organization. They're the guys who are going to come up down the road and be the guys we're talking about now, like the Corbin Burnses of the world who are going to make an impact longer term on your organization that you can maybe use as a trade piece or keep to build a championship contending team around. And I don't think the Red Sox should plan to ever use Lawson in a major league capacity until he shows something that proves that he has the potential to work with hitters at that level. If they keep him in a role that he's familiar in, which is primarily working with the minor league hitters at the upper levels, it's still giving him an important role within the organization because upper levels of the farm system would primarily be double A and triple A. So he's likely seeing guys who are closer to the majors than guys who are first starting out in the organization that are playing in the lower levels. So he has more of an opportunity to see a correlation sooner when that player eventually ends up being called up to the majors and his work that he put into developing that player he'll see those effects quicker as opposed to working with them at the lower levels and they maybe get called up to double A or triple A and they start to lose some of that form that he worked with them on. So he'll be able to be in a position where he can directly influence guys who maybe the next season get called up to the Red Sox. And if they get called up and they're starting to hit well, that's a direct correlation of the work that he's doing. And if these comments that the Yankees are making about his development of players is very strong, then the Red Sox, I believe, made a good hire in that realm of somebody who could really come in, hone in on strengths and weaknesses of these guys at the plate and really help them to adapt to being the type of hitter they need to be to eventually move up to the majors and find success there. So he'd be able to take pride in the fact that he worked with and developed some of these guys early enough and see those effects when they get up to the major league level because they won't be that far down in the minor league system. And another thing too that's positive about this is that it keeps him in a realm that he's familiar with. For example, when the Red Sox hired Craig Breslow, they took a chance on somebody who didn't have experience in that type of position before that the Red Sox wanted him to fill. So they were willing to take a chance on him because of his baseball mind and the experience he does have. Whereas with Lawson, it's not as much of a chance being taken because he's used to working with minor league hitters. So I'm sure that for him, he probably feels comfortable being in that role and saying, yeah, my strong suit is working 
with these guys at the minor league level before there's all that pressure on them at the majors. And now that he has had exposure to working with Yankees hitters at the major league level, he now can say, okay, I've seen them move up to the majors. What's going wrong between them when they're hitting in the minors to them when they're going up to the majors? Is there something that I'm doing that I should be adjusting? So now he's been through the hard times of not having his guys perform their best when they get up to the majors all the time. So he can learn from that experience of not really being the best guy for the job at the major league level, but being in a position he absolutely thrives in. Even though this seems like a minuscule move, this is a great long-term move for the Red Sox organization because if he can really hone in on some of these guys' strengths at the minor league level, it'll help set them up for success moving forward. So it's a hire that I like. Hopefully he sticks around for a while and can really be part of some success stories for the Boston Red Sox organization. Coming up, I'm going to be talking about somebody who wasn't exactly a success story for the Boston Red Sox and is now finding himself on a roster team. Will he pan out there? You'll find out. I have a very exciting announcement from Locked On. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. This is super incredibly exciting. There's a lot of talent here at the Locked On Network, and all of these people will help keep you updated on the latest and all sports things going on. So you don't have to feel like you're behind or have to constantly be scrolling through Twitter to catch up on things. You can go right to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe, and all of your latest sports news will be there. We're the only ones who have it. No matter what time zone you're in, you can tune in. So subscribe to Lockdown Sports Today. Also, download the SiriusXM app because you can get the home broadcast of every Red Sox game straight to your phone so you don't have to worry about missing a single pitch. And how nice would it be to not have to stress about if you have to finish your work daily and aren't able to get home and get to your couch in time to watch the game, you can at least listen to it. Or if you have to make dinner and you can't sit at the TV and watch it but you don't want to miss any pitches going on, this is a great way to still be in the loop. So be sure to download the SiriusXM app. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. You can find Locked On Red Sox for free, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you want some more interaction, you can follow me on Twitter at GabbyHurlbutt10 and follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Red Sox. Always good conversations to be had and ways to interact with other Red Sox fans. So be sure to do that as well. The Boston Red Sox got a decent return in the Mookie Betts trade, but so far it is seeming like such a tough break for the Red Sox. They got Alex Verdugo in that trade, and that was the primary piece that they got. He was a top prospect in the Dodgers organization at the time. Dodgers fans were upset to see him go. And granted, part of the incentive for the Red Sox to give up Mookie Betts is that they were able to let go of that David Price contract also, because that was a hefty contract and the Dodgers agreed to take that on as well. 
Plus, Mookie was heading into a contract year, so the return wasn't going to be great. But first, they get Verdugo, and then Verdugo now gets traded to the Yankees. And the Yankees needed an outfielder that's a lefty bat and is strong. So I get all that, but it's just a little bit disappointing. I mean, he did need to go. The Red Sox needed to trade him. At the end of the day, there wasn't really a good spot for him on this team anymore. So that was a hard decision that the organization needed to make, especially with his off-field issues. But that's one piece of that trade that's now gone. Also, Jeter Downs has now been picked up by the Yankees. Are they trying to be the Red Sox or something? The Yankees claimed Jeter Downs off of waivers from the Nationals yesterday, bringing in the former Red Sox prospects to compete for a roster spot. He's an infielder. He's 25. He was designated for assignment by the Red Sox in December 2022 and spent last season in Washington's system. He never really was able to figure it out at the major league level, and that was one of the reasons why the Red Sox didn't feel like they needed to keep him in the organization because they didn't feel like there was a place for him. This is likely a depth move for the Yankees who probably view him as like a fringe 40 man roster player who may or may not earn a spot. He's only played in 20 games in his major league career, slashing a stat line of a 182 batting average, 260 on base percentage and 273 slugging with one home run and five RBIs. The lone home run ironically came against the Yankees. So they probably look at him and say, oh, he hit a home run at Yankee Stadium. We should pick him up. So now it's just crazy because the Yankees have both downs and Alex Verdugo. And the other player acquired in that trade was Connor Wong. He'll be the Red Sox top catcher in 2024. But once Kyle Teal is ready to come up, he'll no longer be the number one catcher and probably the number two behind Teal. I think they'll keep Connor Wong around. This, to me, seems like that one part of the return in the Betts trade that is here to stay because the Red Sox do need the catching. And he's a great defensive catcher. If he could figure out his numbers at the plate, that would be good. But with the Jeter down situation, he was a lot more hyped up when he came to Boston than how he actually panned out. And sometimes that does end up that way with prospects. At the end of the day, you never know what prospects are going to pan out and who isn't. And there was hope there for sure, but he has such a small sample size in the majors. And part of that is because when he did get his opportunity in the majors, he wasn't really showing that he has the capability to be a true major league level talent. So when the Red Sox had to DFA him, it was disappointing because it was like, oh, there's a part of the Mookie Betts trade gone. At the same time, it had to happen. I don't think the Yankees will likely put him as a more permanent member of the team but if somebody gets injured he might get his opportunity to come up so the reason I'm bringing up all of that is because Mookie Betts was such a special player and he's obviously thriving in LA whether it was the right decision to move him or not the return that the Red Sox got still was underwhelming to me from Mookie's caliber talent and I see this whole Craig Breslow situation as hopefully a fresh start in terms of the types of trades that are being made in the return that 
is being brought in in those trades. If there's a certain player that is necessary to trade, then by all means do it. But what I don't want is for somebody to be traded and the Red Sox to not get their fair share in, the, in return. I thought the Tyler O'Neill trade was good. The Red Sox gave up two pitchers who were not high caliber pitchers in the Red Sox organization, and it gave the Cardinals some pitching depth on their end. So that's a good trade for him to have made. The return in the Verdugo trade, still too soon to really say, but there's certainly promise there as well. So I'm hoping that his capability to make trades is a little bit better. And I just thought it's ironic that Jeter Downs and Alex Verdugo are now both in the Red Sox organization. And now there's Yankees fans on Twitter saying, bring Connor Wong to the Red Sox now, or bring Connor Wong to the Yankees now from the Red Sox rather. And it's just like, I mean, no, like <laughs> that's not happening. The Red Sox do need Connor Wong's talent right now. Do I wish they had a better number one catcher for sure, but that's what Kyle Teal is for. And if you have Teal and Wong as your number one and number two, there's totally nothing wrong with that. And I think the Red Sox are in good shape from that standpoint. But if the Red Sox are going to make some trades this offseason, whether it be for Corbin Burns or somebody else, make sure that the return is a worthy return and that the Red Sox aren't the ones getting screwed on these trades, because that would just be highly frustrating if that were to be the case. And I'm hoping with Breslow's baseball knowledge and ability to evaluate players, hopefully he can make the right decisions in terms of who he would like to acquire from teams. If he is going to trade guys away or vice versa, if he wants a player from a team, what caliber of players should he be giving up for them? So I have faith in Craig Breslow. You have to also, hopefully Yamamoto signs soon because then it will move the rest of the market along. As always, keep the faith, go Red Sox, and I will catch you on the flip side.